0: I declare my turning around.
1: Chicken. <laughs> What'd you do? Get two point treasures there, Evan? I'll get them. Yeah, I know. Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. In our first game this week, we're ocean diving treasure hunters, sharing the air, but not the booty, in Deep Sea Adventure. Next up, we sift through the chaos and delve into the unknown, in the smash hit Gloomhaven. And lastly, we embrace supply and demand as we sail to victory in Century Eastern Wonders. I'm your host, Celeste Angelus. and let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel.
0: Hi, I'm Evan
2: Bernstein, and I level up every time I get in an elevator. Hi, I'm Ed Povolitis, and the best way to observe a fish is to become a
3: fish. This is Joe Unfried reporting from The Witch Game First News Jetski. Welcome to part one of our year-in review. 2018 was signalized by a remarkable incident, which doubtless no one has yet forgotten. Vessels have met an enormous thing, occasionally phosphorescent, infinitely larger, and more rapid in its movements than a whale. We'll provide you with more updates as events unfold.
4: Hi, I'm Mike Grenier, and I am the very model of a modern major general.
1: Our first game up this week is Deep Sea Adventure, designed by Jun Sasaki and Goro Sasaki. Producer Oink Games, Inc. in 2014. Number of players, 2 to 6, ages 8 and up. Runtime, 30 minutes. Mike, what did you think of the game?
4: It's always fun to watch people drown in their own greed.
3: Ed, how about you? Ooh, shiny. Glub glub. And Joe, how about you? I've always wanted to be an undersea treasure hunter. So what's going on here? What's the rationale behind surviving when you run out of air? Is there some benevolent AI that recognizes when you're unconscious and speeds you back to the mothership while also providing effective treatment for the beds?
1: (laughs) Evan, (laughs) how about you?
0: It is the eternal battle of air supply versus treasure. Which one will reign supreme? We will find out soon.
1: Yeah. This deceptively simple-looking game proved to be an edge-of-your-seat, mind-boggling, air-sucking, man's greed versus man's prudence thriller. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <Yeah.
4: laughs> when I looked at the pictures of the game, it didn't look that yeah, exciting. Yeah, it looked
1: like a bunch of dots <laughs> and some dudes swimming, right?
4: Uh-huh. Right. Like, what is this?
1: Evan, tell us a little bit about how it's played.
0: A group of poor explorers—that's us, in this case— are hoping to get rich quickly, and we head out to recover treasures from some undersea ruins. Now, we're all rivals, but our budgets force us all to share a single rented submarine. Now, in this rented submarine, not yellow, by the way, we all have to share a single tank of air. Now, (laughs) if we don't get back to the sub before we run out of air, we have to drop all the treasure and scramble back. Now it's time to see who can bring home the greatest riches. So the game takes place over three rounds, and the player to gain the most points over three rounds is the winner. In order to gain points, you must bring the most ruined chips back to the submarine. You can only return to the submarine once per round, and you cannot progress more after returning.
1: Yeah, it sounds simple, doesn't it?
4: Yeah, sounds very simple. That is a hilarious premise.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the premise gets you started off right. The basic mechanic is it's basically a race game. You roll dice and you move that number of spaces.
1: Your fate is intertwined in a brilliant way with everybody else who is not on your side. Right. I'm calling this type of game the non-cooperative co-op.
0: The competitive co-op. <laughs> Mm -hmm. the uh, illusion of co-op
1: I mean you think okay you know here we are we're swimming along no problem Oh, mm -hmm. there's plenty of air 25 (laughs) air points no problem yeah
3: we'll never use all that air
1: up Ed grabbed a treasure up there oh uh oh Evan grabbed a treasure. Uh oh,
2: that's not a problem until everybody else starts doing it. Well, that's the point. Yeah, but as soon
1: as one person grabs a treasure, everybody else starts thinking they better grab a treasure too. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, right. Give me my piece. All uh, the rest of you guys can be up here in the sunlight. I'm, I'm going down after the real stuff. You can stay up here and grab all the junk. See you later, suckers. That's, that's <laughs> right. The
0: deeper you go, the more valuable the treasure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if your fellow shipmates start grabbing treasure at the at the at the levels closer to the ship than you are, the air starts depleting quickly. It starts (laughs) it goes down very quickly.
2: And you got to scramble back. It's
1: like an exponential use of air as soon as somebody starts grabbing treasures.
2: And, the, and I think the other brilliant mechanic is the more loot you picked up, it actually slows you down because you roll two d three and subtract the number of treasures you have on you. So it's possible that you won't move at all. Yeah, <laughs> I love seeing people sabotage themselves. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I totally did it. I totally did it. it was like <laughs> I, I, I was on my way to the thing, and I picked up one more treasure, and then I. Slow down. It was like, uh, ah, if I didn't pick up that third one, I might have actually made it back.
0: (laughs) Greed is your enemy. I
2: made it back with four. I know. I was surprised. I thought you were doomed when you picked up that fourth one. I was like, what are you thinking?
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. So there are three rounds. You get three attempts to grab treasure. At the end of our first round, our collective score was zero. Yep. (laughs) Because none of us made it back to the ship. After the second round, our collective score was again. Zero, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it t- kind of took us two rounds to figure out. All right, we're gonna have to change strategy here a little bit. Oh,
1: I didn't figure it out, Evan. I still swam to the depths. Oh yeah. Oh, it's gonna be killing Ed to not pick up that thing. He wants it so bad. It he can't can can resist. Can not take he can't resist. Can not take He's like, it. how do you land on something that's available oh, and not take one. it?
2: And It came within a couple of die rolls. Two die rolls of being zero on the third as well. Joe was like one space away from the thing, but his four thing, no, two D three. You know what the average of two D three
3: is? It's pretty low. Three. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's right. Three and a half. Yeah. Three point five. And then,
2: uh, and then, like he he actually <laughs> so, rolled above the four. That's awesome. He got a five. He...
1: Ed is still smarting from Joe getting back to the ship
4: <laughs> when the odds were against him. Yeah. In a game like this, you gotta know just how much to push the odds to get an advantage and you have to be lucky.
3: When you go head to head against Ed Povolitis in a board game, you know, you you (laughs) got you gotta accept that your back is to the wall and you have to, you know, you've got take
4: long shots. Yeah. Yeah,
3: you gotta go for the long shots.
4: Well, the fact that there's a random factor really helps you against Ed. Oh yeah, it sure does. His logistical oh, yeah. genius does not help him in this situation. Yeah, yeah.
1: No. Then he's then he has to resort to playing the averages. Heh <laughs> heh. They don't always <laughs> win. Odds don't always win.
2: <laughs> no, they don't. They did not work for me. I I thought I, I thought that second round I was going to come back and I started going back early it's like, ha I'm going back early. I got these two treasures. What's this last one going to hurt? Oops.
4: Uh-huh. And
2: after the, after <laughs> I got that third treasure, I didn't move for two rounds. And that was it. I was sucking oh, down man. three ear every time. Glub, glub, glub. Glub, glub, glub. glub <laughs> nothing.
0: There's a mechanic where you can drop treasure as you go, so long as you land on a blank space from which a treasure was previously claimed in that round. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a space in which if you happen to land there on your way back up and you want to lighten your load, you can do so. So it's... Not like you're sunk entirely if you've grabbed too much. There's an
4: opportunity to lighten your load and possibly make it back to the ship. Inside. I would most certainly be grabbing too much treasure in a game like this.
1: Oh, I- Mikey, I drowned every time. <laughs> every I'm like, how how can I how do they have this game set up so those four those high level treasures are down there and nobody can ever get to them? I must be able to get to them.
2: Yeah, it's actually pretty easy to get down there. All you have to do, no one take anything on the way down. You all yeah, get there well. But you a mm-hmm. single hair point. That's
0: the point. That's how I liken it to the marshmallow test. Now, there's a famous experiment Mm -hmm. in psychology called the marshmallow test in which you put a kid in a room with a marshmallow on a plate and they can't eat it for 10 minutes. When you tell them if you don't eat it, you get a second one. They leave the kid alone. And they figure out which kids are going to eat the marshmallow within the 10 minutes or which ones have the patience to wait the 10 minutes to get the <laughs> larger reward.
4: So this is the adult version sort of. Yeah. Well, it has a twist to it, too, where there's kids in other rooms that are eating yeah. the marshmallows. It's almost like Prisoner's <laughs> Dilemma, you know, where yeah. if their kid eats the marshmallow, you don't get one.
0: Right, so it's a test for the adults to see how long they can wait, and the further down you go, the more reward you potentially stand to get if you can all have the patience to get down there to the bottom and grab the good yeah, treasure. Yeah. We're, saying yeah. is, we're
2: putting them all in the same room, so now one kid sees one person <laughs> eat a marshmallow, and that kid goes, oh no, I'm going to eat my marshmallow too. Exactly.
0: Inevitably, one, one bite, basically one bite of treasure, and the frenzy begins.
2: We're like piranhas to the treasure. There's blood in point. the water. Yeah, and that's
1: it. One treasure is picked, and all of a sudden that air starts cranking.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I, I have the uh, dubious distinction of being the first to eat the marshmallow in this game. Always, oh, yeah. yes.
1: always, you greedy little marshmallow eater. <laughs> yeah. If he didn't eat it, I would have. <laughs>
4: I think it's hilarious that these people are, you know, explorers, but they haven't, they don't even have enough money to buy a couple extra like air tanks. I know. (laughs) Even after the first (laughs) trip when they brought some treasure back, maybe invest. Yeah.
1: (laughs) This is definitely our maiden voyage.
4: A rickety sub and one air tank to share.
1: It's really wonderful. It absolutely immerses you in the in the idea. So the theme is fantastically laid on this game. It affects the play in just the right way for you to be imagining all of this stuff happening. All it is are the pieces to lay out the treasure, a few meeples that look like divers, which I adored.
3: Two dice. Yep. I mean, I, I hesitate to use the word immersive to describe a game like this, but it's
4: a perfect word to describe a deep sea ocean game. Immersive.
3: Okay,
1: it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Deep Sea Adventure.
3: Joe? Dredge this up from the silty depths that shift where warmth and sunlight cannot reach. Mike?
4: My scuba tank sprung a leak and I wasn't able to join you guys, so I will withhold my judgment, but it sounds fun.
2: Ed? Head to the depth to dig up this small gem from this watery tomb.
1: Evan?
0: Cast your net into the deep sea, snare it, and pull it up. It's truly a treasure.
1: Yep. It is one hidden treasure I'm glad to dig up, or in this case, bring to the surface. Glub glub. Glub glub. Evan, where can you find it?
0: (laughs) Well, this game came recommended to me by a listener in Cambridge, United Kingdom. Oh, cool. And while I was visiting there, he took me to his local game shop, and he said this was a must-buy, and that we would not be disappointed, and he was right. It cost me 20 British pounds, but I have seen it available in, in various stores online ranging from 12 bucks to 20 bucks.
1: Well worth it. If you have thoughts about Deep Sea Adventure, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Okay, our next game up this week is Gloomhaven, designed by Isaac Childress. Producer, Cephalofair Games in 2017. Number of players, one to four, ages 12 and up. Runtime, 60 to 120 minutes. But that's really per adventure, right, guys? Not for (laughs) Yeah. So, everyone but me. Yeah, it's a four-player game, so I couldn't play. Played the game. Evan, what do you think?
0: A year's worth of unique dungeon crawling and other medieval fantasy adventures in a single box. A game after my heart.
2: Ed? A huge box filled with 1,700 cards and tons of gaming goodies. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mike?
4: There was stuff and things aplenty in the box, but were we able to contain all that chaos?
2: Mm.
3: Joe? The mechanics of this game, while complex, do flow well enough to keep things moving. It's Oh, what's that word again? Used to describe penthouses, luxury cars, fine jewelry, and uh, board games? It almost rhymes with (laughs) (laughs) delicate.
1: I cannot wait to grill the panel on whether this game can really offer the same thrills and chills of a traditional, full-fledged tabletop RPG with a human GM, or even beat an AI-led, multi-million dollar video game. Let's hear about it. But first, Joe, why don't you tell us a little bit about how it's played?
3: Gloomhaven is a legacy game. That means every time it's played, there are concrete changes made to the game's setting, so the game evolves in reaction to players' short- and long-term effects on the game world. Starting characters include options like the Scoundrel, the Brood, or the Tinkerer. Every character gets their own deck of action cards and starts at level 1. A player's deck will change as your character accumulates levels of experience. The game plays out in a series of scenarios, each of which take up to 120 minutes. Before each scenario, the player characters are given battle goal cards to choose from. These give each character a specific goal to be kept secret from other players. If achieved, this goal will give the character one or two check marks similar to victory points, which can be used to improve that player's character later on. In a typical scenario, characters and their enemies move across the spaces of the map, populated with traps and other features, all laid down and arranged as instructed by the scenario book. When characters engage in combat, they may use two action cards each round. Each action card has an initiative number in the middle, a top action, and a bottom action. Between scenarios, players may periodically return to Gloomhaven. When they arrive, the players are given a choice to make in a city encounter. When they leave Gloomhaven, they are given a choice to make in a road encounter. Both road encounters and city encounters are resolved by group decision, just like a real group of adventurers, and both can have immediate or long-term effects on the game. The game offers dozens of scenarios and new treasures and level-up surprises as you go, offering tons of adventure gameplay.
4: So tell me, guys... What do you see when you
2: open the box? You see like a whole bunch of sealed packages and boxes. Oh yeah. There's 723 bridge side cards, 972 Whoa. small ones, 697 <laughs> tokens, 30 map tiles, 47 monster cards, and 17 different characters with 18 minis to go with them.
4: And it's mostly <laughs> hidden. It's mostly sealed in packages that you can't open until yeah. you get to a certain point. So
2: you
1: guys did not get to see all of the characters setup.
2: up. Oh, no. You're actually not allowed to until you get further into the game. You're only allowed to pick from one of six characters at the start.
3: What's important about this is that your characters come and go. They might die... Or they might become retired. Eventually, if they advance to a certain level, then you know that character of yours is replaced by a new one. Now, that new one is likely to start much tougher than your first one did.
4: God, I hope so. Yeah. Because <laughs> this game doesn't sound like it's going to get easier as you go.
3: You can immerse yourself in doing things that will improve your home base of Gloomhaven. Uh, mm-hmm. th- you have personal private goals that you keep hidden from the other players and you have you know of course you have goals for the current adventure which you know you don't know everything about you know, usually you know at the start of that given adventure
1: Yeah I can see that you're handed a lot of the story yeah. um, and my question is are you handed too
2: much of the story You have an ability deck that has starter cards of course but you also have the ability to swap out a few different cards and then as you gain XP, you can um, put in your newly leveled up uh, character abilities. That scoundrel, for example, has a hand limit or a deck limit of nine cards. So you have to pick yeah. which nine cards you're going to bring on your adventure.
1: Do you try to balance the characters? Do you have to have a balanced group?
2: Um, I
4: think it helps... To have a balanced group, but I don't know what the other options are, so I don't even know what a balanced group might look like.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, what I'm thinking of when you think of a balanced group is one fighter, one magic user, one healer. Do you need to do that in order to to win this game?
4: My
0: opinion on that, Celeste, is <clears throat> yes, there needs to be some balance, although there aren't the tr- there isn't a traditional wizard class, spellcaster class like that <clears throat> among the. For example, my Tinkerer I played was kind of this gnome thief character, but it also had some magic abilities, which we did need. Oh, Oh, crap. All I'm going to do is run and (laughs) run up to things. I run, I run, I run. This one
3: goes here. That 10-foot giant with the 20-foot club, I run straight toward him. (laughs) Bagging a pair of symbols.
0: (laughs) I think you do need a sort of standard fighter character, because as we found out in our dungeon crawl, Ed, our fighter, went down kind of early in the in the fight, and we were absolutely doomed to lose that battle without him. So I think you you do have to have some sort of basic starting balance to your characters. Yeah, I mean, I
4: played a I played a traditional spellcaster type for the most part, doing area effect damage and uh, teleporting around the board and stuff like that. And I found that everybody has a little touch of everything else, too, like some healing, some defensive stuff for themselves, it seems.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's
4: a little more spread out among the characters. I don't think you'd be completely screwed if you didn't have a straight-up healer.
3: Yeah, it's fair to say none of the characters are
2: one-trick ponies. And I think it's perfectly designed that way because it's also designed to be a solo game, playing with one character.
1: After adventuring, what do you guys think of the idea of playing with one character? character would you guys have fun doing that
2: uh
4: not my cup of tea i mean i think it would be kind of fun but honestly i play games so that i can be social with other people so yeah yeah
0: i'm fine with single player game games of all sorts you know solitaire and stuff it's just that why do it with this one i I
1: i think i'd always be wishing more people were there
4: and i think for somebody who likes to play solo games or doesn't have a lot of people around to play this would be a really good game for a person like that
0: there's a sad imagery though of one person sitting at a big board with a big
4: stack giant map,
0: of and- games and stuff,
4: and they're all alone there. You know,
1: <laughs> it's Nirvana. Yeah.
4: Okay. Nerdvana.
1: Nerdvana. Yeah. It's a little so sad. Wh- how was the art and the look of the game? All I got to see were these
2: white, unopenable little packages. <laughs> I think all the character art is really cool and the graphic design uh, for the rest of the stuff looks great because um, most of the other cards don't have much art, but uh, I think the look of all the, the the cards graphically is really nice. And this is a legacy game, so
4: they. The, ma- the giant map that's laid out before you and stuff will start to look cooler as you go because you're going to be adding stickers for your accomplishments and stuff like that to it.
1: Oh, that's cool. But physically manipulating your own awards is pretty nice, even if it is mm-hmm. a sticker. That's that's pretty nice. Yeah. How do they handle combat? How does it work?
2: Well, it's pretty simple. You have your, your deck and you can choose two cards to put down. And you're going to have to use the top ability of one and the bottom ability of the other. And then one of those cards um, you're going to use as your initiative because it has a number in the center, and that'll determine the play order.
1: So, what did you guys think of how action was structured, Evan? What did you think?
0: Well, I thought it was fine. It was, you know, they obviously tested this to to no end and uh, made sure that it played out, you know, as it should have. So it was properly balanced. It was lightning
3: quick and completely unambiguous.
1: Oh, that's nice. In traditional tabletop role-playing games, you can get bogged down in the action sequences. Evan, was there color text?
0: Ah, uh, uh, there was color text, in fact. How was it? It was fine. It was not too much of it. <laughs> you, you don't get <laughs> lost in it like some other games we've experienced. <laughs> oh my God, Twilight Imperium. <laughs> was
1: it pertinent? Did it add to the flavor of the scene in the moments?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it it told the story. It put you into the uh, into the scene.
4: Yeah, and I think the abilities matched up pretty well to the characters they were paired up with, too.
1: The abilities of the characters?
4: The ability cards, your action cards, were appropriate for the type of character you were playing. The door is ajar the whole time. You can't get it open. What's like, <laughs> with this sideways here. door? Who your, built this Your thing? adventure ends here as the door gets jammed. As a tinkerer, I find this disturbing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, you know how we're all role players, we like to layer on the performing, you know, the acting (laughs) of it. Was there any of that sort of, were you inspired to really embody your character and were there moments or opportunities to actually perform the character?
0: It's a good question. Uh, I felt not really, Celeste. You sort of got into the action pretty quickly in the game and then you started concentrating on survival mm-hmm. more than more than wanting to, you know, put on a performance for the other players. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that that may come at other parts of the game. I mean, we only did the
4: very first part of, you know, of the adventure. Um, there's actually a part in between scenarios where your characters all have to collectively make a choice and that was a great opportunity to like role play.
1: The opportunities are there, but they're not necessary. People wouldn't necessarily feel the pressure of performance, which is often the case in an RPG.
4: Oh, much
0: more so in an RPG.
3: Gloomhaven got me, I mean, it introduced me to legacy games and got me excited about legacy games. It makes me want to try other, you know, legacy games. What's not
1: exciting about legacy games? I mean, who doesn't love opening a mystery package?
4: I love the mystery, but the other thing about a legacy game that hurts me to my very soul is that you can only play it once because you stickered it and torn cards up and thrown them away. It kills
3: me.
1: Yeah, and for a game of this price, it's got to hurt extra hard. But I, yeah. isn't there a way you can sort of get around that? By oh, you just, could
3: buy another copy of Gloomhaven, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, there's always that, yeah. You could yeah. buy
1: another copy, sure. Or you could just sort of say you've gotten the awards and use a notepad and write everything down.
2: There's a pad of character cards. So you can actually use the characters multiple times. I think the only thing that really gets stickered up is the map board. And that's revealing locations as you go. I mean, I don't know what else they're going to spring on us, though, as we play it. Some of the event cards tell you to destroy the card if you uh, take certain options because that event can't happen again.
1: Yeah, that's very cool. Like, oh, that that changed everything. That's gone. Uh, so it really does seem like this is a story-based game. We didn't get too deeply into the mechanics of combat, but it does sound like everything moves pretty seamlessly. How was the setting?
4: I personally think they did okay because they kind of start you off in your town of Gloomhaven. So you don't know what the rest of the world is yet and you get to learn it as you go. And I think that's a kind of a fun aspect. There's not a ton of backstory.
3: Yeah, I mean, I only expected the tip of the iceberg, and it it certainly did the job.
2: Uh, I I agree. I think the uh, the the story is pretty well set up. I and mean, Gloomhaven clearly like a, a cosmopolitan city. You know, this is where the central of where all the uh, the races get together, and they venture out into well, the gloom of the nation. It seems like it has a little bit of a uh, depressed game where it's like bad stuff is going on.
1: A dark storyline.
2: Dark
4: setting, but not too deep
2: yet. There's definitely hint that people did die in the city occasionally.
4: I thought it was really smart the way they did the the fights in when you're actually doing the dungeon delve part. Because they have this board that's slivered off with a bunch of different parts to separate the different monsters of the same type.
1: Oh, so the track, yeah. Combat tracking is really challenging when you have multiple monsters. So that's cool. Right,
2: but I think they came up with a great solution for it, though the battles are nicely challenging They're, since that's the meat of the game what's is cool is that the different monsters have cool abilities like some of them actually summon up other creatures to fight so you're like "Ooh, i gotta get rid of that guy or you can keep generating a skeleton every turn so they have a clever
4: way of giving you a sense of urgency too um your deck when it runs out you're just unconscious you're out um and when you spend your cards some of them go away if you use the more powerful version of the card if you use the weaker version it shuffles back in your deck and every time you need to reset your deck you lose a card so you want to be careful not to blow out all your good cards that get wasted early because you're going to be out too early and that happened to me i was out a turn too early oh that's right I, i i made a valiant sacrifice i teleported myself into this midst of like a bunch of monsters and Smacked them all pretty good before I ran out of cards on my next turn.
1: And when do you come back?
2: Uh,
4: Next Adventure.
1: Next Adventure, okay.
2: As we know, the game is hugely popular. And Board Game Geek also hoisted a whole bunch of awards on it in 2017. Game of the Year, Most Innovative, Best thematic, Best Co-op, Best Strategy, and Best Solo Game. Wow. It basically swept all the categories. That's impressive.
1: Okay, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Gloomhaven. Mike, how about you?
4: Dig it up. How else am I going to learn what happens? (laughs) Evan?
0: (laughs) I'm definitely digging it up. It's hard to stop at just one adventure, like a bag of potato chips.
4: (laughs) Ed, how
1: about you?
2: Dig it up. but Remember to bend your knees as you lift up this box of goodies.
1: Joe?
3: I love how Gloomhaven characters progress until it becomes tragically time to let them go and embrace a new one but that is i suppose the way of things i must dig it up <laughs> it
1: is the way of things i don't understand why people aren't willing to let their characters die more often
2: yeah that's it, <laughs> actually kind of neat the dick game encourages that
1: yeah i <laughs> i like that too um and can I join your game next time, guys? Yeah, Aww. maybe when somebody's out sick or something. We'll please. rotate someone
3: out.
1: Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, come on. I- I'll hold withhold judgment, but I can't wait to play. Uh, Joe, where can you find this game?
3: Let's see. I've seen Gloomhaven in quite a few gaming stores. Be sure to bring a forklift if they have it in stock online. I found it at $140 from Barnes & Noble, uh, ranging from 115 to 135 on Amazon and 160 on eBay.
1: Yeah, and when you break that down into hours of enjoyment, it's, it is worth it, even though it sounds pricey. If you have thoughts about Gloomhaven, and I hope you do, we are at Witch Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our last game up this week is Century Eastern Wonders. Designed by Emerson Matsuki, producer, Plan B Games 2018. Number of players, 2 to 4, ages 8 and up. Runtime, 30 to 45 minutes. Joe, what do you think?
3: The life of a Corsair darting through the archipelagos of Indonesia and Micronesia while thrilling is still one that I've never fully explored. Until now. (laughs) (laughs) Evan? Evan? Well, something is the spice of life. Apparently, it's Eurogame cubes
4: in four different colors. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Mike?
4: Man, Emerson
2: really likes his spices. <laughs>
1: Ed, how about you?
2: Len Ho! Let's see what we can find here. Yeah.
1: Um, after a charming time playing Century Spice Road, I had high hopes for this one, but I think it may have sequelitis. But before we get into it, let's find out a
2: little bit about how it's played. Centuries ago, the lucrative spice trade led to the discovery of the famed Spice Island, where the most valuable spices in the world were found in the age of discovery. Your journey continues in the Far East. Eastern Wonders is played over a series of rounds. Each player will take one turn each round, starting with the first player and going clockwise. In the player's turn, they may move the boat and then perform an action. There are three possible actions. Harvest, was gained two gingers. Market, where you may place an outpost on your tile. Or Port, where you trade in the listed spices for victory points. And at the end of the game, whoever has the most victory points wins.
0: I'll start with this. Because we played Century Spice Road, the game was very easy to grasp, so it was a nice primer to this one
1: true it it uses the same cube exchange mechanic however the way it is laid out is significantly different in the first game they had uh beautiful cards really neat to look at um i remember that i i wished the people were having more fun doing their jobs on the cards.
0: (laughs) (laughs) now you can't harvest then right can could he harvest nope he cannot harvest.
1: Correct. You have to either harvest or exchange. You can't do both.
0: Mm-hmm. He didn't exchange. Oh,
1: so okay. you can't harvest.
0: Correct. Okay. But you can exchange.
1: You can do a market action and exchange, but you can't do a market action and harvest. Is that correct?
2: And then you can harvest, Make a harvest which is just taking these two cubes, and that's all you get.
1: But nonetheless, those cards really helped immerse me in the world. This doesn't have cards. This just has a map, which is just blue tiles with a little bit of decorative stuff on it. And you move a boat around because you're moving from port to port. So there was none of the feel of people having it happen.
2: So I really like the, the map. A, the, the map is made out of hex tiles. And I, I really like the the movement part of the game.
0: They're not real hexes. I mean, they may have six sort of sides to them, but they have little curves and little hooks and whatnots. I mean, I get it's supposed to be a little more wavy like an ocean, And but I guess you can go from any one other
4: tile to one of six other tiles. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, th- they were hexed. So it wasn't just an equilateral hex.
2: I felt the other way with it. I thought it was nice. It made it feel uh, less uh, grid-like. It made it feel more like it was continuous.
3: More like islands in an ocean.
2: Right, rather than uh, a rigid grid grid lines on it.
3: Now, I know I have something of a reputation sometimes of, you know, taking too long to complete my turns, and <laughs> I, I didn't seem to have... Understatement. I didn't seem to have this issue with this game. In fact, I found myself actually trying to get my opponents to hurry up and my eagerness for my turn to come around again. My fellow panelists couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> To me,
1: I really felt like I was just moving from place to place trying to exchange cubes. I did not feel like I was sailing a ship across the ocean. There wasn't anything to help me with that. It was just hurry up, get to a place where you can switch this cube to get this other cube to go over here and get that cube.
2: Well, I think one of the things that's really cool about this game was moving around to the different islands and you're trying to build outposts there. And there's a race down. That's where I think we're no, no, not leisurely anymore. Now you're competing with your fellow friends here to try to get outpost there. Sure, everyone can be, put an outpost there, but the first one there gets it free. The first phase of the game was us just trying to grab up the different uh, tiles to put our free ports down. And then you start trying, okay, I got these. I'm trying to make combos now.
4: Yeah, it sounds like you're the boss of a trading company. Yeah,
2: I really was into the theme of the game. I thought that the, the theme was pretty deep here. There was no
4: art. There was <laughs> nothing to help
1: immerse you in there. You had a cool ship meeple. The ship meeple was good. I, I liked the ship meeple. It was a nice wooden meeple. Honestly, this was more math and a lot less style.
2: Now, the mechanics are identical in both games. But what I liked about this game was placing the outpost you can get victory points based on which space you're removing an outpost from. But if you clear a column, you'll actually gain a bonus. And I think the coming of the bonuses are really cool. So you can get a special bonus like uh, more cargo space if you want more stuff, an extra move, more victory points. So I thought it was cool.
3: I love the complete absence of her hard currency in this game. It is so easy in games that deal with commerce in the abstract. It's almost instinctive. It's almost a knee-jerk thing. Oh, we've got to put like little coins with ones and fives and tens. I mean,
4: if the game's about commerce, that kind of makes sense.
3: Well, well, here here,
2: it's purely about the trading.
1: Yet another thing that's missing from this game is the coins that were nice to see (laughs) in the first
2: game. Right. Well, I think we didn't need them in this game. I think it's like Joe said, it's like the trading is really the part of the game. Well, what I want to try out next is I want to try out with the uh, the the next version of the game where they have uh, you can b- combine this game Eastern Wonders with Spice Road and play from sand to sea.
1: I thought you could just do it with the two boxes you have. You can combine. Right, those. That's what I
2: mean. Now we haven't you. tried playing the combined game yet, and that's what I wanted to try. Because you'll have the you'll have your pretty cards and a board. The
1: combined game might help. I agree. Um, it, it might help with completing the theme because, honestly, the theme was just a big old tease in this game.
2: I think Emerson actually does have a, a key uh, theme in the games. He actually built a trilogy of games here. And he actually planned to release a third century game. All these games are around different centuries of trade. Where the first game was exploring trade in the 15th century, and this one is exploring trade in the 16th century, and then the next one and the next one is going to look into the 17th century, which is uh, called a New World, coming out next year.
1: I I wish it actually did that, Ed. I wish it actually explored.
0: Cel- Celeste, he has a game vision for the 21st century. It's called Century Bitcoin.
3: <laughs>
4: yeah, you don't do any traveling. You just sit in your couch with a laptop.
3: I can't believe I'm already behind. I just upgr- I just upgraded my my system like <laughs> yeah. last turn. Yeah. <laughs> Windows 10 sucks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Century Eastern Wonders, Joe.
3: I want to dig up all the spice, especially all the ginger. Dig it up, please, and hurry. I think that's a crate full of chili peppers, hardest to starboard. Dig it up, dig it up before somebody else gets it.
1: Evan, how about you?
0: I generally like the Century Games. This one, I'll agree with Celeste, did not succeed in capturing the feel of the ocean traveling, but I'll still dig it up. I like resources trading games like this. That convention is still fun.
4: Mike, how about you? Well, my ship's compass went a little <laughs> haywire, so I missed this one, too. Yeah. Um, you got lost uh, at sea. <laughs> um, <laughs> actually, I was at a wedding. Um, so I missed this one. So I'll withhold my judgment on it. But if it's anything like the other Spice Road game, I will dig it up, probably.
1: Ed, how about you?
2: Uh, the basis of the game is very similar to Spice Road, but I really love the addition of sailing around at a different location, building up your trade route. So dig it up.
1: And for me, just more math and less style than the first, so I'm going to say bury it. Ed, where can you find this game?
2: The MSRP is about 40 bucks and the game is generally available at your friendly local gaming store or online.
1: If you have thoughts about Century Eastern Wonders, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you'd like more perks and content from us, just go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. If you get a chance to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, please do so. It really helps others find the show. Join our chat on our Discord server, Witch Game First, and our Patreon supporters get access to exclusive channels. Follow us on your favorite social media. We are at Witch Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Happy gaming, explorers.
3: Bye everybody Ooh, shiny (laughs) The human mind delights in grand conceptions of supernatural beings If there were no thunder, men would have no fear of lightning Jules Verne, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea